Hi, friend. Welcome to Holly's Highlights, a podcast designed to encourage, inspire, and equip you to intentionally live your life full of purpose. I'm your host, Holly Kirby, motivational speaker, leadership cultivator, marketing strategist, and personal cheerleader. Let's check out today's highlight. Today's episode is sponsored by PostNet. PostNet, family-owned and operated, is the place to go for all of your small business needs. They offer printing services of all sizes shipped directly to you. Or if you're locally in Utah, they can take care of your packaging and shipping services, and even provide private mailboxes, fax, and notary services. At PostNet, you'll receive the array of services to fit your business needs, all with the personal small business touch from owners Paul and Linda. For more information on PostNet, visit postnet.com forward slash UT113. Forbes recently released an article referring to the importance of empowering employees with the statistics that over a third of organizations that empower their staff tend to experience revenue growth between 10 to 30 percent. And 16 percent of these organizations experienced growth above 30 percent. Now, disappointingly, though, while 90% of businesses tend to see the importance of empowering their team at all levels, only 7% of those actually make it a reality. Well-respected brand Chick-fil-A has often attributed some of their continued growth specifically to such empowerment of their staff through leadership and their culture. They recently released an article on LinkedIn sharing how they support their team's passions and growth. They provide the resources to throw their whole selves into projects vital to their business, and they encourage and elevate the ideas of staffers at every level. Although Forbes mentions many businesses to look at for such examples of developing and leading and empowering teams, such as the Ritz-Carlton and even Disney, it is a church that has caught my attention on their intentionality of making leadership a priority and what appears to be a success story of development, leadership, and empowerment of their team, all for the greater good. Today, we have senior pastor of Risen Life Church, Kevin Lund, with us to share some insight on his success of leading and empowering teams. I come from a background heavily involved with churches across the states, as I used to travel with my dad quite a bit, who was the executive director for the Utah-Idaho Southern Baptist Convention, and we would frequent over 150 churches within the Utah-Idaho area. I loved it. For years, I was able to observe Kevin as a pastor of the church in Holiday, Utah, where he serves, and I've never seen such positive results of growth within a church administration as I have at the church where he serves. Kevin's apparent gift of of leadership and putting together a team, developing them as leaders, and then empowering his team is one I am inspired by, and I am excited for us to learn more about his tips and suggestions and how to carry over some tools he's used to help our own leadership skills and empowering the teams that we lead. Kevin was born and raised in Seattle, Washington. He attended the University of Washington and graduated with a BS in metallurgical engineering. He also has his Master of Divinity from seminary at Bethel University. He worked as an engineer for John Deere. My sister would love that. She loves John Deere. (laughs) And then for about a decade, uh, he did that. Then he went on to become the youth pastor at Trinity Church in Holdridge, Nebraska. He served in several capacities at Trinity Church, including senior pastor. Kevin has served as a senior pastor at Risen Life Church in Holiday, that Salt Lake City area, for the past 13 years. During his tenure at Risen Life, four churches have been planted through their ministry. 
Kevin has developed a team based there that includes a staff of 12 people, three of whom are interns, and he has a passion for training and encouraging and releasing young pastors into ministry. On the home front, Kevin recently celebrated his 40th year of marriage to his wife, Mary, and together they have two grown children who live with their families in Arizona and California. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks, Holly. It's really great to be with you today. Now, as we've heard of of the four-legged chair with essential components of empowerment, including authority and resources and information and accountability, how would you define this leadership empowerment? and, And why is it important to develop your team and empower them? As you ask that question, Holly, I'm reminded of something that happened to me early on in my career when I was 22 years old. I had just graduated from the University of Washington and had my first job as an engineer with John Deere and was given a lab to supervise of eight people. Probably the average age of them was 45, and I was 22 and coming in to supervise this group. Wow. boss there had his office right next to mine, and uh, as I was given this assignment, In my first week of work, he said, now I'm going to move my office to an entirely different building because I want you to do this on your own. Now, if you need anything, if you have any resources that you need or any information you need, let me know. But I'm not going to be here to look over you, to micromanage you. Even to be here, I want you to do this on your own and to learn how to do this and sink or swim on your own. And he gave me that assignment. And it it so stood out to me. First of all, it scared me to death. Right. But said all that he would give me that kind of ownership uh, and sense of empowerment to do this, uh, I'll never forget it. And I appreciated it. Maybe not everybody would. <laughs> I knew he was there. I knew there was a big safety net underneath me if I needed it. But by and large, I was going to figure that out on my own. And it meant so much to me that he would trust me at that level uh, that it really changed my life and how I led from there on in. So. I've always thought of empowerment as giving ownership to the people who are under your leadership. There's a difference between owning something and renting something, right? When you own it, uh, you take better care of it. And people love to feel a sense of ownership, to know that these successes and failures are mine. It creates strong and independent people, and I think confident people as they succeed. I find that when you empower them in this way, it builds trust. You would trust them. They learned then to trust you. Builds confidence. It builds, frankly, effort and performance because now it's theirs and uh, they get to shine or fail. And so they work harder. It builds humility and respect because this is a lot of pressure when when it's given to you like that. And so you're humble about it. And I think you respect your work more. I think it creates joy and fun and satisfaction. Uh, because it's fun when you win. And then if you need help, you can, can get it as long as that supervisor or that leader is there for you when you want them. And, and you should do that. And by the way, that's a super important part of this is that you do have to resource them. You do have to set them up to win. And you do need to let them know that if they need anything, tell you, and then give them honest feedback on a regular basis. And I've always said, said this to my own kids, and I said these for, for people who or under my leadership, there's a big safety net underneath you. Kind of like a trapeze artist, you can try all kinds of things, do kind of crazy stuff, but if you fall, there's a big safety net underneath you. I'm for you, and I will protect you. And so I find that this does really serve people well and get the most out of an organization. I remember in my early days here, now 13 years ago now, uh, you, you probably know Sean Patrick, Holly, but Sean is our worship leader. But back in those days, he had been a youth pastor, 
And I told Sean in August of 2008, I gathered his team around him. And I said to his team, I said, now look at whatever Sean says, that's me speaking to. And you do what he tells you to do. And you follow his leadership. I am giving this to him and the authority. And you need to follow his leadership. And I am behind him and supporting him, supporting him. And he and I have referred to that story, how much that empowered him and helped him. It gave him confidence. And I mean, you, you know where he's at today. He just leads us in music, in worship, in so many fabulous ways. But he has grown. But it started with me giving him and empowering him to do and to lead and to run that thing as he would like. And then, of course, follow up with the relationships that I've talked about, the accountability and so on with that. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. So many important points, building that respect in other people of, of giving them that safety net of helping them take on that autonomy and that that ownership of it, but yet still being there for them. That's so vital. And just a, a side note, a little plug for Sean Patrick, whom Pastor Kevin just referred to. He actually has his own podcast, Sons of Asaph. So it's a worship podcast. Feel free to check it out. He does a fabulous job uh, co-hosting that with a friend of his. So that that's wonderful. Well, when so many churches look to volunteers for key positions, such as the youth director and, and children's ministry leaders, and even as you mentioned with Sean, the worship leader, you have focused on these as paid positions, and you appear to be intentional in who you seek for these positions. How do you go about structuring your team, and then what does your vetting process look like? Yeah, Holly, I kind of a principle I work by is I find people I like to work with. And some of what I like in them is their skill set or the giftedness or the capacities to serve in areas that I need them. But much of it is just a personal enjoyment of who they are. And if you're going to develop people, I think you've got to put a lot of people around you. So that's why we hire so many interns and are always talking about who else can come on the team, just so you can get to know them, find out who they are and how they can uh, serve the greater good of the organization. And so I just look for people that I'm drawn to and and get them on the team, sometimes in just simple little internships, but just gather them around. And then I structure the positions in the organization around the who the person is. Uh, what are their strengths and what are their gifts or giftedness, what's their passion? And I make the jobs fit the person rather than here's the job, now I got to go find somebody to fit that job exactly. Right. So I, I really put jobs around the person because I think you get the best results. That's what they care most about. That's where they serve best. And I think you get the best results. And then as I have all these people kind of, as I've fitted them as best I can, I'm always kind of fiddling with the team to try to find a better way for them fit. A little bit of Jim Collins from one of his books many years ago, but he said, you get a bunch of people on the bus and then you kind of find the seats later. Right. Uh, and that's really the philosophy I work for. It worked with it. It works well. Sean Patrick, again, a good example of that is he has led worship for years now. But recently I've given him men's ministry because I see him starting to really minister to the men. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've given this segment to him and he just loves it. Uh, we just hired a children's pastor actually this week. We can talk about that in a few moments here. But, um, but she came and we needed a children's pastor, but she goes, I really have a heart not only for children's ministry, but also family ministry. So we Mm. structured the job around what fit her, both children and pastors. Um, And I think people do better work when they're in their area that they feel they want to grow into. And so that's how we kind of bring people on. But when it comes to actually vetting people, 
the most important thing by far, in my opinion, is personal character. Absolutely. Who they are, uh, their, their, their work ethic, their relationships with people, how they function within their family. Are they people of character in their private life? Are they genuine and honest about their weaknesses? And so when we are interviewing, we had this children's pastor here recently. I mean, we, we ask a lot of personal questions amongst the job kind of questions to protect our organization uh, in terms of character. It's so important. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have flaws because all of us do and a lot of them. We want to be redemptive with those and, and show grace to those. But if you are not a person of character, it will keep you from doing your work well and really uh, growing and becoming your best. So what we do with our staff, actually, every month is I have an accountability form that answers, asks several questions, about 14 or 15 of them, that we all fill out together. And then we, we recite a bit of what's on our form with each other, just to hold each other accountable and make sure we're maintaining personal character in our work and our work ethic and, and also our private lives. So there's a little bit about how we um, bring people into positions and vet them. I love that. What a blessing you are to your team and, and just creating that that personal touch of, of meeting them where they are instead of trying to fit them into the, a mold. That is that is so rare. With so many companies tending to lose that momentum of adding to their team through the onboarding process, as you have this children's director stepping in, have you found ways to bring on new people that is smooth for both them and your already established team? And, and what does that look like? How do you do that? Yeah, okay. So, so as we mentioned, we just did that this week. And I think we did it very well, actually. And one of the keys is to have a healthy team on site because a healthy team will assimilate a new member well. And so to have a team that functions well together, really genuinely cares for one another and fits their gifts with the rest of the people well, it makes it much easier to bring somebody new in. If you bring somebody new into an unhealthy organization, it's going to tend to not be good for them. But having a healthy team is a good starting point. But then I also coach my team up. Like uh, the, her first staff meeting was yesterday. But the week before, I talked to them about what it's like to bring a new person on the team. And I said, this is going to change all of us. One person, even amongst 12 of us, changes the whole dynamic. Of course. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. And, and some of you aren't going to like her. <laughs> and she's not going to like some of you. <laughs> it's just part of life, right? But let's bring her in well. Let's have the discipline. We've got a good team. Let's make her a part of this. We know she's really a great leader and worker. And so let's together, don't just make it my job, let's together bring her in well. And so we spent yesterday's meeting, her first meeting, we gathered around her and, and gave her a little charge and prayed for her. Uh, and then we just took a day as a staff where she could listen in, where we each talked about our wiring and our giftedness and kind of affirmed one another and let us let her listen to kind of who we all were and see how she fit. Um, so it's a group project and a healthy group project to bring something in, someone in. But I would say this, when you hire, uh, don't be in a rush. Wait for the right person. And, and that means you have to suffer a bit. But if you hire the wrong person, it's really, really hard to get rid of them. Yeah. Um, so take the time to hire the right person uh, for your organization. 
Um, makes me think of something that my dad has always shared, and and it's more of applicable to when you're looking at what do you add to your house, or if you're going to make a big purchase or something. But I think the same goes here: is do it right the first time. <laughs> so yeah. it's it costs so much Saves more to exactly <laughs> exactly it costs so much more yeah. to get the wrong fit than it does to wait for that right fit. Now I would imagine one of the first steps to empowering that team that you lead is to build that trust, and it sounds like you started to do that with her on that first day of sitting with each of the people and just kind of talking through their strengths and so forth. What are some ways that in addition to that, that you build trust with and among your team? I spend a lot of time one-on-one with my team leaders. Uh, I am their friend. And I say that intentionally because um, a lot of people in my position are told you don't be friends with those that are under your leadership. But I am their friend. I am not ashamed to say that. I love them, I know them, they know me, and I care about them more than I care about their work. I know their families, I've been in their homes, I've counseled them on their parenting and marriage and finance and personal struggles. I am close to those people and I spend a lot of time with them. I think that's the best way to develop your team. I'm constantly checking in. I walk down the hallway here, we have a hallway with about 14 offices. And uh, I just walk down the hallway every day that I'm here and just duck my head into the office and just ask how they're doing. Yeah, I I take time to pray for everyone by name every day. These people are on my heart. I care deeply about them. I give them a lot of my time. And frankly, I really enjoy it. They are a delight to me. I spend a lot of my work hours in restaurants and coffee shops with lots of people, but also with my team just being with them. And I think all of these things build a very deep level of trust between me and the people that are on my team. Absolutely. I I had to just put down a quote that you just said that, that I truly valued hearing is that you care more about them than their work. And so often as leaders, we can get in that mindset of operationally what is taking place that we lose track of the person behind it. So that's priceless. That is so valuable. Now, for many leaders, they may have fears that block them from extending that empowerment to their teams. What are some of those fears you've observed in leaders throughout the years? And how do you help them overcome them, whether it be control or intimidation or repercussions if they do mess up, if they do need to use that safety net? How, how do you help them overcome that? Well, Holly, I'm, all of us are pretty fearful and insecure at times. It's a normal part of life and being human and just expect it. And I think it's just good to welcome this. It's it's part of being human. It's really what connects us. Our weaknesses often connect us more than our strengths. And so let people have those fears and be insecure. And as a leader, as the point person in the organization, let people know that you struggle with those things. I fear failure. I fear rejection. I sometimes ask, am I useful? Right? Will I do anything of value today? Those are questions and fears we all have. And I think the leader in the organization needs to be the first to admit it. So that gives them freedom to have their weaknesses and their struggles also. Um, But you have to deal with those in your own soul, and you have to find ways to do that because they will paralyze you and keep you from being effective. 
And the truths that I work by as a pastor, which are truths that make the difference for me and, and those I have found that will give this a try, it really works, so there's a God who made all of us. And we, because we are his creation, have value and all of us have a place. And God is, is gracious and loving for us in our weaknesses. He runs toward us in our weaknesses to help us. And so we have to be say, okay, I have my insecurities, and yet I need to find ways of uh, working through them and getting to the other side of them so that I can lead. And if we can help people, I think, deal with their insecurities by talking about them. And when I have these one-on-one moments with people, uh, we talk about these insecurities. I talk about mine. And whenever they share theirs, I'm quick to share one of mine. Uh, and then say, okay, let's, let's, let's work and move forward with this, uh, even though we feel afraid at moments. And if I can help them uh, succeed, even with those weaknesses, then they begin to gain confidence and overcome them. I try to catch people in every success that they have, even with their fears, and compliment them. So they begin to build confidence that they can do this, even with these insecurities. Which is so important. So often we look at what went wrong, and it seems like what went wrong or those negative feedback stick with us tenfold than even one positive comment. So how important it is to, as you mentioned, celebrate those successes, point out those successes. That's, that's so true. Now, what are the different ways you've involved your team in your decision-making that you go about, even such as hiring someone? Virtually every decision I make in some form involves a team. I have teams in every area of ministry, and I lean heavily on them. I realize I have a very limited capacity and understanding of any given decision, and I highly value the input of our people and Frankly, they're smarter than me and better than me and more knowledgeable than me in many areas. And so I lean on them for any significant um, ministry decision, the ones that would be appropriate around that table. And frankly, they like it. Of course they like it. Of course. And it makes them feel valued and important. And you just make better decisions when you involve people. And I realize that a lot of leaders are very, very insecure and they're afraid to give away power in that sense. All kinds of bosses, I think, actually try to keep people intimidated and at distance and or even hire actually less performing people so that they can sort of stay on top of the organization. But I think the stronger your people and the more they're empowered and the more they're given a voice around the table and voice is so important and deeply valued, your organization grows and you make better decisions and you end up better. Now, that isn't to say I don't have the final say. I mean, I call it the trump card. You know, like I can throw this down anytime I want, but I rarely use it. I rarely use it. Um, I rarely go against my team because I really deeply value them as we make decisions together. Well, and you can tell that, again, that the words that you keep sharing again and again, valued, appreciated, and just hearing them, listening to that voice, all of those are so crucial. And and so, yeah, you probably don't have to play that trump card because you're already making them feel a part of it. And, and it sounds like you guys work very cohesively together as well. What resources or tools do you use to help you in empowering your team and communicating with your team? I know on a recent episode of Holly's Highlights, we learned that more and more companies are using personality tests for their teams to best and more effectively communicate and work together. Is that a resource that maybe you guys use? Or if so, how did you incorporate it with your team? Or what else might you use for that communication piece? 
Yeah, uh, we've used resources like that in the past. We've done the personality test, the DISC test for our team. We'll probably do it again at some point because our team has changed some, where we all take a personality test and then talk about it. We've used Strength Finders, which is a real popular one. Uh, we we kind of laugh about that because we, we did that, and, and my number one strength was self-assurance. And uh, that kind of makes it, there's, there's words I probably shouldn't say on this podcast that would be said about me because I'm so self-assured, right? So <laughs> then we laugh about that where we ended up in our various places. But recently I preached a sermon last Sunday, in fact, on Romans 12, where we talked about giftedness and how everybody is gifted differently. And so we use all these various resources to help us know who we are and how we fit together. And what we do after we've taken a test of one of these things, we'll spend a whole day session and we'll actually put what we learned in front of us, like what was our personality, and we'll put it on a big card in front of us. So as we look around the table, all of us, we all see what each person's personality is. And we'll talk about the strengths and weaknesses of that and who we need to complement us and how we augment that with each other. And we'll spend a whole day just working through it and how it fits. In fact, our discussion yesterday in staff was really around the Romans 12 passage where we were all gifted differently. Okay, what are your gifts and how are you using them and how did you discover them? And what gifts don't you have that you need someone else around this circle to support you in? So we'll spend a great deal of time just talking together about how we fit together. But let me say something about these tests, and I, I don't. I want to be a little careful when I say this, but they really are largely inadequate because the human personality is far more complex than the most simplistic answers that you get from these tests. And so, the best way to know your people is to get time with them, and you be the assessor of where they're at and how they fit. It goes way beyond what any given test. The, the danger of the test is people get pegged, and the human personality is far more complex than that. And so, we got to know them beyond just what test results say. Amen. I could not agree with you more. <laughs> could not agree with you more. Now, you mentioned that you provide feedback to your team. What does that, that culture of communication look like? You mentioned sometimes you'll just check in on them in the morning, but how often are you providing that feedback? Okay, so this is a, a cultural issue. It's important to have a, an organization and a culture of feedback. Um, now, this is tough and it's painful. And I find it's in some ways more painful in a Christian organization because you care so deeply about the people and you love them and it's more than just a job. But you have to create a culture where feedback is normal and enjoyed. A book, a secular book actually that we found very, very helpful is a book called Radical Candor by Kim Scott. She was an executive at Google. And she talks about um, the importance of what she calls radical candor, which I think what the Bible would call truth in love, speaking the truth in love. And she goes, if, if all you have is empathy, it, it's just ruinous. But if all you do is just speak truth without caring about feelings, that's obnoxious aggression, she says. And so learning how to speak truth in love or using radical candor, as she describes it, is a way to uh, have healthy feedback and communication in an organization. And so what we have done is we've had our people read some of this, a couple chapters we selected. We've given a couple training sessions on it. We discuss it thoroughly over a training session, and we seek to build this culture over time. And then we give them assignments. Now, you go out and practice radical candor with somebody, and then you come back next week and tell us where you did it. And we all listen to each other tell our stories. And the people love it, and you start to build a culture of it. 
and it's very important. It's super critical to the health of an organization. Recently, and it, let me say this, it needs to start with the leader. So in other words, the hard feedback needs to be first given to me and invited to be given to me. Uh, so what I did actually this last summer as we were going through this challenging year, I gave 35 questions to our team and they answered them. And these questions involved really my leadership and sort of the health of the organization. And we found some weaknesses and we found some strengths and we reviewed it. But it really was kind of a scorecard on my leadership. And they were able to be awful, and awful, <laughs> honest. <laughs> some of it was awful. <laughs> now and we're all curious about what your scorecard said. <laughs> <laughs> but it encouraged the people to be honest with me. And it gave them freedom to sort of build this culture with themselves, too. Um, and so honest, healthy feedback is critical to the health of an organization. You won't grow without it. What outcomes have you seen as a result of empowering your leaders? Are there any downfalls to it? You know, I mean, my people, I think, across the board, pretty much love their work, love their jobs, and love the workplace. People thrive in an environment of empowerment. They feel strong. They feel important. feel hopeful. They feel like they're growing. Of course, it's not perfect, but we aim for this, and they know we aim for this, and they feel like their jobs. In fact, I, I kind of learned this in my John Deere days, too, that one of the measures of an organization is how long people stay in their jobs, and our people tend to stay for a long time here, which is really good for team building, and it shows that they really do like their work. Now, I would say the downfall of this is that sometimes it gets away from me, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you empower people, things get out of control and things happen that you don't want or things don't go the way you want them to go. But I think that risk is way, way smaller than the reward of letting them run and try hard and fall and get back up. And at the end of the day, if you really need to reel something in and kind of gain more control, you can do that. I think Again, having security as a leader and a boss that you can you can use that trump card when you need it. You can play it. You can be the boss when you have to be, but rarely use it. Just let your people just run and go. And, and a little bit of this, I think, for leaders, myself included, is you have to fight your own insecurities. You got you got to trust them, and it isn't going to always look just the way you like it, and it gets messy. And sometimes these people are going to outperform you and run by you, but you got to go. I want that. That's really good. Like that's yeah. a big compliment. They'll be better than me and run by me. And I, I, I tell some of them, like, someday you'll be my boss, and that would be a great thing. And so fight the insecurities of, of letting people be empowered and what they can do um, because it's really good for the organization. Yeah. It, it seems that way. Just, just the fact that you would ask those 35 questions on that scorecard shows that vulnerability that you were, were having with them, but then also that trust that your team has come to, to have with one another to be able to empower them to have those conversations and, and that honesty with you. That, that's great. Now, a challenge I've seen in leaders trying to empower those they lead is is to at some point give in to micromanaging and, and not just the trump card of, okay, I need to pull out the final say here, but truly micromanaging on things. What advice might you have for our listeners on how to avoid that micromanaging? And as a recent guest on the show perfectly put it, allow your team to fail forward. Yeah, this is a big question, Holly, and I think it's an important one to think about. I think I'd start by saying sometimes micromanaging is needed, but usually not, right? Sometimes everybody's different. 
And every employee is different. Some employees just need a lot more care than others and a lot more precise instruction than others. So everything I'm going to say past this is really discouraging of, of sort of this micromanaging has this negative sense. But sometimes people will use this as an excuse to not pay attention to details in the organization and into people's lives where they really need you. So we've got to be involved with our people and kind of know what they need. Everybody needs a kind of a different level of management, supervision, encouragement, and uh, guidance. But then just to realize that everybody fails and everybody fails often. Mm -hmm. I do too. And just expect it and be good with it. It's part of, again, it's part of being human. It's part of the beauty of an organization is we try hard and we have some strengths and we have some weaknesses. We have some things about everything we do that look pretty good and other things that don't look so good. And let's have an environment where we're gracious and forgiving and redemptive. Your previous interviewee said fail forward. I like to use the term fail fast. So you're going to fail sometimes, but do it and learn and grow quick and get up and go again. In fact, I would say this. You can't even grow or get better without failure. And sometimes you got to fail several times before you figure something out. And so give, create a culture where not, people aren't afraid of that so that they can give it their best. Because if, if they're afraid of failure, they'll be cautious and won't do well. Now, look, it. if there's something in their performance or in their character that's really unhealthy and there's a real unhealthy cause for why they're failing, you've got to address it. Um, maybe it's the wrong place on the team. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe you haven't resourced them well. You've got to take care of, of those things. But just personally, I know myself, I mean, every time I preach or teach or lead a meeting, I mess up. And so just having a freedom to be able to laugh at myself, encourage our people to just laugh together and, and kind of enjoy at some level our failures, not to just live in them or stay stuck in them, but so that we have freedom to get up and go and, and learn from them. In fact, in our meeting yesterday, uh, one of our guys, our tech guy, said to me as, she, as he was speaking to me about my gifts, he said, I am so encouraged by how messed up you are and you own it. <laughs> and that's a blessing to me. That's what he said to me. <laughs> and so I think having that culture that we can learn and grow from our, our flaws. Now, former General Electric CEO Jack Welsh has been quoted saying, before you are a leader, success is about growing yourself. When you become a leader, success is all about growing others. Now, you've mentioned that you even love to see people grow beyond you, that, that that gives you a sense of pride. What are some ways we can grow and develop our teams, and at whose expense should that be? And what do some of those opportunities even look like? I think the best way to develop our teams and the highest cost in developing our teams is time, truly investing in them and building a personal connection with them so you know their strengths and weaknesses. You can coach them up. You can be with them in their failures. You can compliment them in their successes. And you can make sure that they have a good path ahead that continues to let them grow as an individual and just enjoy those personal connections deeply. The, the best part about working together in teams is really the personal interaction. So that would be my starting point again and kind of always is. But then beyond that, I think very specific training is important. We once a, we have staff meetings once a week, but one staff meeting a month, the second Thursday of every month, we use it and extend it for about two-thirds of a day and do very specific training. For example, what we did our radical candor training a while back, uh, 
yesterday we talked about, okay, what have we learned through this past year? Yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the shutdown of America through the pandemic. And so we talked about what did we learn and what were the struggles of it? And what were the successes that came through it? And how do we build on that? We did a session on victim mentality. Don't don't carry that with you. It's not healthy. We did a session on communication. How do we communicate better? Next week, we've taught. Next month, we've told them. Next training is going to be how do we be disciple makers in everything we do. And so we have very specific training. We do it once a month, and then we have accountability for that in our individual departments and teams. But we also put a lot of uh, we budget time and dollars into team building. So everybody is expected to spend time and dollars to build their teams and to do what needs to be done to do that. Nice. Any other tips for our listeners? That's that's a dangerous question to ask a pastor. <laughs> right? <laughs> we could be here a while. <laughs> <laughs> so let me put on my pastor hat just for one second and say I think the most important thing in everything you do is to know God's love. To know he loves you and, and know that he cares for you and wants the best for you. And to find your ultimate strength in him. Uh, it's both amazingly strengthening and amazing humbling. And you'll be your best when you know uh, the God that created you. Secondly, I would say that team building uh, takes a great deal of time and perseverance and a lot of consistency over the long haul. And to take a long view of team building and empowering uh, we're all a long-term work in progress. Don't be impatient and take your time doing it. Thirdly, I would say, and this is really hard, sometimes people don't fit. And sometimes your best friends don't fit your team. And you've got to be honest about that. You don't help anybody by not dealing with those situations. And sometimes people just have to be asked to not be on the team. But be honest and be loving and change the team when it needs to be changed because the whole organization and even the individual that needs to move off the team is harmed by keep trying to stay at it when it isn't working. And then fourthly, I would say, and this is a theme maybe you've already heard, but relax and have fun. you got one life to live. Enjoy it. Don't take yourself too seriously. Laugh a lot. That is the greatest thing, greatest therapy for teams and empowerment is just to enjoy each other enjoy time together. like that. Now, if you could go back and encourage, inspire, or equip yourself as a child, what would you tell your young self? That's a great question. I think what I would say, and I say this a lot to young leaders now, Holly, is it's going to be okay. It really is. You will walk your way out of this. Whatever you're in feels like a crisis, feels like a dead end, feels like maybe even the end of your life but it's going to be okay. You will make it. Take your time, trust God, and keep going. And then kind of along those lines, I would have said to myself, enjoy the moment that you're in. Don't just live for the future and what's ahead and where you're aiming for. Live in the moment and enjoy it. Enjoy the early stages of a new team or a new business or early parenting or whatever the early stage is. Enjoy it. Don't just live for what you want it to be in the future. Enjoy the moments and then realize even as a young person, when you feel like you're making lots of mistakes early on, even your, what you might consider your worst efforts are making a difference. People are being changed. They're being helped. Just know that you may not see it, 
but you are contributing. And then kind of coming back to a big theme for me as a pastor is, is that God is doing an unstoppable and good work in your life and trust him and keep going in that. Those are all good reminders that we all need to hear. Thank you. Kevin, as you've provided such wonderful insight for us today, where can our listeners connect further with you? Yeah, my email here on staff at the church is kevin at risenlifeutah.org. Kevin at risenlifeutah.org. Okay, we'll have those on our show notes for the listeners as well. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for taking time to share with us today some tips that we can take and and use to develop and lead and empower our teams. We so appreciate your knowledge and wisdom and time shared with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's been good. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, I'm thankful for the chance to discuss this subject, which is so important. Thank you for joining me on this journey of life. I hope that today's highlight has been encouraging, inspiring, and equipping so you can go out and live your life full of purpose. I'd be honored if you'd take a moment to leave a review, or better yet, subscribe. We can also stay in touch by joining my email list at hollykirby.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-C-U-R-B-Y.com. Until next time, make it a great day for a great day.